Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hey there, this is Sam Khan, co-host of Max and Sam in the Until Saturday podcast feed. Before we get into the show, I just wanted to offer a brief news update. On Monday afternoon, Michigan State announced that it has provided Coach Mel Tucker with written notice of intent to terminate his contract for cause. This news comes amid Michigan State's investigation into the sexual harassment allegations made against Tucker. That news came to light early on the morning of September 10th when USA Today published a story detailing the allegations which were made by Brenda Tracy, a rape survivor and activist who educates college athletes and coaches on sexual violence and consent. The day after the story published, Michigan State suspended Tucker pending a Title IX hearing into the matter, which is still scheduled for October as the investigation continues. The episode of Max and Sam that you're about to hear was recorded before the news on Tucker's contract dropped on Monday, so you won't hear us discuss it in the show. But be sure to stay tuned to The Athletic, where Nicole Auerbach and our staff is covering the Michigan State story as it unfolds. Also, be sure to check out the Until Saturday podcast feed later this week for the upcoming edition of Power Hour, where Nicole and Chris Vanini will discuss it on their next episode with the care and expertise you've come to expect. Thanks, as always, for listening to Until Saturday. And now, here's this week's episode of Max and Sam. Max, how are you doing today? You know, Sam, I'm doing well. Um, I, I spent a lot of time breaking down film on Sunday, as I'm sure you did too. But when I say breaking down film... <laughs> Uh, the film we were breaking down was Encanto, you know, a lot of Encanto oh. in this house over the weekend. Um, there's been some Moana lately, but there's a lot of, this is a big Encanto weekend for my two and a half year old. Um, where, where are you at on Encanto? You know, I, so my kids have seen it. I have not seen it every time they inevitably watch it. It happens to be a time when dad's working. So mm-hmm. I have not seen it. Uh, but you mentioned Moana. My my three year old is gotten into Moana lately, so I've been okay. hearing the whole Dwayne Johnson singing in the background a lot in the last couple of weeks. Yes, yes, that, and that's inevitably it. Always transitions to then when we're in the car, it's hey, pull up the soundtrack on Spotify because he, he needs to hear <laughs> the song. That's all we. He, that's all we listen to in the car now. Like we we get in the car and and the kids start demanding what they want. Like we're we're playing here on request. Like we're the DJs and. We have yes. a playlist, uh, and just so we don't lose our mind, our family playlist is a mix of songs from Disney movies plus songs that me and my wife can actually put up with that we actually like so that we can say, hey, we're not going to listen to kids' music the entire drive. We are going to listen to some adult music, and you guys are just going to have to put up with it. <laughs> At some point, I'm going to have to start pretending that my radio is broken. You know what I mean? Just to not, <laughs> That's right. Just to limit it. Um, it's it, it, But it's always interesting, too, like the... Um, so I've seen Encanto all the way through. I think Encanto is good. I think I I enjoy it. There there's some good stuff on the soundtrack there. But some of these movies like Moana, I still have not seen the second half of Moana. I've seen the first really? half of Moana. Yeah. First half's great. I have no yeah. idea what happens in the rest of that movie <laughs> because at some point he's either like turn on YouTube or he's like start it over. And I'm like, yeah, okay, like so that happened with that happened a lot with the Lightyear movie, which I didn't really care for. 
it took a very long time for me to actually see every scene of the Lightyear movie because it would just get paused or restarted or mm-hmm. whatever. So um, no idea. I can't vouch for the second half of Moana, but I can vouch for Encanto. That, that movie's legit. I, I can. The, the second half of Moana is good. You should actually watch it. It's actually one of my better, more more liked Disney movies. Uh, yeah, after the, after yeah. Um, You're Welcome, I, I truly do not know what happens <laughs> the rest of that movie. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I, I'm all about Hey Hey. He's, uh, he's, he's a fun one. Uh, mm-hmm. But... We've got a great show for you. Max Olson, of course, senior writer of The Athletic. I'm Sam Kahn. Uh, got you, good show today for you today. We'll have Pete Sampson joining us later on the show, our Notre Dame writer for The Athletic. Uh, talking Prove It Week, we're going to talk Notre Dame and Ohio State. Huge game there this week among the many big games on tap. We'll, we'll have our pick six later in the show. We'll have some oddly specific predictions for you, three three each for me and Max. And first, we'll we'll try to figure out, though, Who's actually good in the sport and and who are we missing so far? As always, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Drop us a five-star review. Leave questions in the reviews. We'll, we'll answer them on the show. Subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube. We've got our live videos there. Max and Ari and Chris and David Ubbin. You could see them donning their awesome sunglasses Saturday night, uh, early Sunday morning, I should say. Uh, Trust me, Colorado it was not Saturday Colorado night. Colorado State. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, they did look like the Men in Black, uh, as as Chris said. But uh, I forgot to mention those were uh, the sunglasses I was wearing. Uh, those were actually uh, Pac-12 sunglasses given to me at a media day, and those wow. are going to become artifacts, Coll- collector I mean, that's, items. That's a collector's <laughs> item. I got to keep that thing mint because you know you, usually it's my like mowing the lawn sunglasses, but we probably got to put those in a case here going forward. No doubt, no doubt. But uh, Thursdays for the pick show, Saturday nights for the reaction show, and some special Saturday editions at times, and Sundays mm-hmm. for the sound off, uh, which is always fun. And uh, for the sound off, leave a voicemail uh, on the Until Saturday line, 316-462-9852, 316-462-9852. Those voicemails have been great. Uh, sign up for the Until Saturday newsletter. Uh, the links to the show, links to the newsletter is in the show's description. It's your daily fill of college football news there. And of course, check out the official visit with Max and Ari. They've been going around the country showing you where to eat, where to drink, and the cool stuff about some big time programs. But Max, let's start. We are in week four. We have three weeks in the books of college football. Who the hell is any good at this point? <laughs> um, I... I have I had a hard time with this on Saturday. Um, I I don't think I certainly don't think Georgia got exposed against South Carolina. I would definitely not go that far. And maybe you know it would be wrong to look at Georgia and think that they should just be blowing everybody out because I think they're still you know replacing a lot of NFL players. They're still you know they're replacing a terrific OC uh, in 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 Monken and, and and kind of getting this thing rolling with Mike Bobo like. Still a little bit of a work in progress with Georgia. I think they're probably going to be fine. Um, but, you know, I think that they didn't look invincible on Saturday. And I think the, but the, but the, the tough thing is, like, if Georgia's not number one, if, if you were trying to make the case that they should drop from number one, who are you putting at number one? Who are you, who are you feeling, like, extreme confidence about? Honestly, Sam, I'm, I'm to the point now, maybe this is just, like, a little early season. We just don't have enough to, to kind of you know, feel really certain about things, but I don't know that this CFP is going to be like very chalky this year. And that's, and, and that's kind of how I looked at it. I thought like, Oh, Ohio state and Michigan will probably both make it. Um, 
I had Georgia, those two, and USC in the playoff. Like, I don't know, man. I think we might be setting up for another like pretty funky Final Four in the last year of the Final Four. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. And Ari touched on this on the sound off uh, on Sunday that this would this year would be a terrific year to have a twelve team playoff, and and mm. we're a year out from it happening. It's it, it will start in twenty twenty four. Ari's always arguing year. for a 12 team playoff. He just won't he won't let up <laughs> in demanding a 12 team playoff. Oh, yeah, I know. It's uh he and I he and I have had many text message arguments about this, but uh, this is this is a year that it would fit really well, I think. Uh just because there doesn't seem to be a dominant team right now. There's no team without its flaws at this point. Even a team that a week ago I would have argued that Texas had an argument to be they're near the top after the win over mm-hmm. Alabama. But then after we saw what we saw from Alabama at South Florida, and then we saw what we saw in for three quarters with Texas and Wyoming, not so sure yet about Texas being the best team in the country right now. Uh, shout out Craig Bowl, though. Wyoming, Wyoming fought hard, yeah. but it's, this is, this is a, this feels like a wide open year. Like you said, with the, the final four, and, and that's why State Wyoming had might that be good in the win next of- year. You know, Sam, you got to give them some respect. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how that, Reverse merger works. They might be in the Pac-12 next year. Yeah, no, it's it's. But Florida State had that early win against LSU, and then looked pretty mortal against Boston College. Uh, you know, Ohio State hasn't really blown your doors off. They they had a little bit of a slow start, and then and then they eventually turned it up against Western Kentucky. Uh, but this week, I think, is going to tell us a lot because mm-hmm. we 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 just really don't have a feel for where everybody is. And Max, you you did a little project this morning looking up. The Athletic 131, which, well, now it's the Athletic 133 because we've had Mm -hmm. some teams, Jacksonville State and Sam Houston have now joined the FBS. But Chris Vanini does this every Monday, so check that out. Be sure. It's a massive undertaking. I cannot imagine trying to rank 133 football teams on a Sunday afternoon. But Chris does it every every year, every week during the season. And last year, you kind of looked up where teams were. We thought teams were in week four last year and where they ended up and where the playoff teams were. Mm-hmm. in week four and where they ended up. Um, what are some of the things that stood out to you that can illustrate how much things can change from now until the end of November? Yeah, and to be clear, this is not like a critique of um, here's how Chris Vanini had him ranked a year ago. Look at how he was <laughs> wrong on some of these. Because a lot of times these do help capture kind of the week-to-week sentiment, right, of kind of where people think um, these teams are at. I know, I know for Chris it's pretty like re- you know accomplishment-based, um, like who have you beat, that kind of thing. Um, but if you go look at last year's Athletic 131 from September 19th um, of a year ago, I, I was just curious to see how different it was. And I think what stood out, yeah, obviously, you know, at this time last year, Georgia was one, Alabama was two, Ohio State's three, Michigan's four. It's kind of what you'd expect, right? But um, when you go through it, Kentucky at, at this time last year, Kentucky was seven, Arkansas was eight, Oklahoma was nine. Oklahoma State was 10. There's 11 teams in the top 25 of that 131 at this time a year ago that ended up falling out. Um, 11 out of 25 falling out. And, um, you know, and, and some of those, like, pretty defensible, right? Like, I would say, like, Oklahoma coming off the Nebraska game last year, I'm like, Oklahoma's rolling. They're going to be good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and things changed dramatically. Same with Oklahoma State. Um, I think... Part of that sentiment is, or, or you know, part of that that like that process. You know, sometimes we just have to step back and say it's just pretty early. 
And there's probably some teams that we're looking at right now and feeling like they're top 10 teams that just straight up aren't right. We're probably just overestimating a few right now. And uh, we probably should talk about which ones we kind of think are the targets for that. But then on the other side of it, at this time last year, TCU was number 41 in the 131. Kansas State was 43 uh, after after losing the game early. Florida State was 36 and LSU was 37. So there's also probably a few if we go through, and we could probably circle a few. There's probably a few in the top 40 right now toward the back of the top 40 or the top back of the top 50 that are probably going to end up being top 25 teams this year too. So I think it's just... Part of it is like you just can't get a little too high on on what you've seen so far because there's either some teams that have probably lost one game that are going to end up being sweet, and there's just like just this time last year we just weren't talking about TCU like that, right? I'm not I'm not saying mm-hmm. this year is going to be a year where there is a TCU that rises up and makes the top four, but but I don't know some of these conference races like are probably going to be pretty brutal. I, I it's hard to run the table um, like they did in the regular season, extremely hard, but. I, I right now I'm not sure I'd rule out that there's a team we're 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 missing that even on the back half of the top 25 that ends up being a playoff team. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC mentioned the conference races the sec right now looks pretty underwhelming overall i i, I don't know that i we know yeah. at this point yeah i guess lsu's probably the favorite to win the sec west at this point but you feel like it's fairly wide open uh the, the, the certainly that division is uh the big 12 seems underwhelming so far kansas state took that loss to mizzou uh over the weekend of course texas looked the way it did against wyoming it's i i just I, i'm not sure that i have a, a really good sense for how those races are going to shake out. Look at BYU. You talk about TCU at number 41 last year, and I'm not saying they're a playoff team, but a team that I look at that's low in this ranking. Yeah. TCU TCU was 41 at this time last year. BYU's 41 and and Chris is 133 right now. They're three and oh, and they just beat Arkansas. And Mm -hmm. and now you look at the big 12 kind of underwhelming. Could they get on a roll at some point and, and make this a little bit interesting? I, I, that, that was the one I circled too at 41. You're just like, uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that we are are we don't we know that much about BYU right now. You know what I mean? I think, but that that was an impressive road win. And if I told you, Sam, that they're going to be a real contender in the Big Twelve race, you'd be like, okay, I guess so. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's mm-hmm. <laughs> there's an it's wide open enough. Um, I mean, shoot, even even Texas Tech at fifty in the one thirty one thirty three right now, like maybe maybe Texas Tech can. I mean. You know, losing too early, but that doesn't doesn't mean they can't win the Big Twelve still, as David Ubbin would tell everyone. Um, I, like I think there's <laughs> there's still room for them to rise up. I mean, I I don't know. You go through that list. Are you know is there is there 
Could AM put a run together here? Could Kansas put a run together? Kansas is three and zero, and mm-hmm. and when with with a healthy Jalen Daniels, it's looking great. I, I think there's there's probably some teams. Our listeners have to go through here because Chris Vanini has the list from twenty six to fifty. He he sorts them out into tiers here. There's gonna be some teams on this list that we're just not we're not seeing it yet, but they're gonna be really. Good. Kansas State could still be one of them. I mean. Could Kentucky at three and zero? Could Kentucky put a run together here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, speaking, yeah, it, it's well, Wyoming, Wyoming's forty nine. Which speaking of which, I just mentioned them that they, they already beat that. They're not going to be one of those teams, but but I'm going to shout out Wyoming and Craig Bowl because yeah. they they do a really good job of recruiting, developing talent, and they were in that game with Texas in a big way uh, on on Saturday night. Uh, Texas ended up having to turn it up in the fourth quarter. By the way, until Saturday newsletter, uh, Jane Bardall wrote that Texas is overrated, shouldn't be ranked third, which they moved up in the rankings after a very, very uh, stressful win over Wyoming. So, uh, it, speaking of, it, what, where are you on Texas? Do you think it, are they overrated, or, or is that just a natural come down from an emotional win at Alabama? All right, so let's do this. The, the Athletic one thirty three, the top ten here. I'm going to read it off: Georgia, okay. Texas, mm-hmm. Florida State, Washington, Michigan. Ohio State, USC, Notre Dame, Utah, Penn State. Like just as a thought exercise, if you had to knock four teams off that list that won't be in the CFP top 25, I feel like Texas would probably be one of them. If you were if you were just guessing today, who who is not going to I know I shouldn't say that. I think Texas will still end up being ranked. But if you were picking who are like the teams you trust the least out of those 10, would it be Texas? Utah, Notre Dame, Maybe Washington. I don't, I don't know. Oh, Washington, possible. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's interesting. Texas. Here's what I'll say on Texas. I don't. Maybe Florida. I'm State. not panicking. I'm not panicking over the white. Yeah, Florida State. Uh, again, that was underwhelming against Boston College. I'm not. I'm not out on Texas yet. I. I'm not overreacting to the Wyoming game. I'll say that because I think that's just human nature. It, yeah. That was a landmark win for them, a, a win that's b- bigger than any they've had in a decade. I think it was going to be natural they were going to come out. By the way, it was is a good team. Wyoming is a good team, and they showed that against Texas Tech early in the year. The, I'm not stunned at all. I, I actually would have been. I think I would have been surprised if they would have won that game going away, just okay. because because this is not a team that's had to handle success, and that's mm-hmm. going to be Steve Sarkeesian's biggest challenge from here on out mm-hmm. is. Can he get them to a level of consistency week in and week out that that, that they can play at that level? And, and I just don't know yet. I don't know if they can, but I do know the talent is there. I do know the depth is there. And I do believe that in this coaching staff is pretty good. It's just a matter of can you get these 18 to 23-year-olds who have not been in this position of having everybody pat them on the back all week long and tell them how great they are, can you get them to kind of ignore that and just play at the level that they played at when they were in Tuscaloosa in week two that. And so I do end up still think they're going to end up winning it, uh, the conference and, and okay. get into the playoff. I, I I'm going to go ahead and say that now. I, I do think they're, I don't think they'll lose more than one game the rest of the way. I just think the big 12 right now is there's too many question marks among everybody else. Uh, so I think they'll, they'll do it. But so, so I'm not sounding alarm bell off in Wyoming, but yeah, I can, if you want to say, they shouldn't have moved up, and they're they're not the second or third best team in the country. I guess I can get with that. 
because who who is? And I, I think there's yeah. a, it, there's I think you can make arguments for everybody. I don't think there's a clear cut uh, number one at this point. I guess Georgia, you give them on respect for that based on what they've done, but I don't think you can just say that everybody's anybody's got a hugely convincing case that they're uh, there's no flaws and they deserve to be head and shoulders the best team in the country. I mean, I think there's probably fair argument to, as of today that LSU is better than Alabama, though, too. I mean, maybe maybe the Florida mm-hmm. State win ends up looking a lot better than Texas has been over Alabama. I don't know. We'll, we'll get into Bama a little bit, but um, I think Texas will be – I think we'll probably see the Wyoming thing a few more times this year. I think we will see and, – and this should be a week against ba- Baylor. They should run Baylor off the field with where Baylor's at right now. I'm mm-hmm. guessing they probably won't. I'm guessing they're going to make the, <laughs> the the Baylor game ends up being competitive – and we repeatedly say during the season, well, man, think about how good Texas was against Alabama. Like, I'm not saying they're going to lose all these games, but I think that there's definitely the potential that they just mess around and some of these games that they assume they're going to win are closer than they're supposed to be. And that's kind of the that's the the mental challenge for for Steve Sarkeesian and his staff to to get this this team not just to stay healthy, but to just to stay like locked in and because that's tough when you play like a bowl game level game in week two and then you come home and then it's like back to normal. You know what I mean? I think Mm -hmm. it's uh, I I think that that's where the growth has to occur for Texas this season is this team coming out and and kicking ass in a bunch of games. And I think Oklahoma is lurking. Honestly, Sam, like I think Oklahoma is going to be undefeated going into red river. I think Oklahoma is going to be deeply motivated going into red river. I, I, at some point, we're going to start talking a little bit more seriously about them. I would think I, they're they're putting up a ton of points. You can chalk that up to a bad non conference schedule. You can say they didn't look amazing against SMU, but I think Oklahoma's coming. Yeah, that 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 is. You mentioned that SMU game. That's one that just has me mm, just kind of curious because that was it was I think what fourteen eleven early in the fourth quarter uh, in, in that one. So. This was not one that they blew them out of the water, but they've looked really good against their two group of five opponents, Arkansas State and Tulsa. Uh, 73, put up 73 against Arkansas State, 66 against Tulsa. Uh, I, I thought that Cincinnati game this weekend for them was going to be a trap game, but Cincinnati lost to Miami, mm-hmm. Ohio. So mm-hmm. now all of a sudden that one doesn't look as tough. So you look at right now, they're probably going into Red River undefeated. Uh, they got Cincinnati and Iowa State left. Uh, Texas has Baylor and Kansas. That the Kansas game is going to be interesting. So I know Texas it, it, absolutely whooped Kansas last year, uh, but I think Texas Kansas is going to be a sweet game. Yeah, no, I agree. It, it's going to be a lot of fun. And like I said, Jayhawks are rolling. Jalen Daniels playing really well. Uh, that offense, you know, that offense is a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but they're, they're going to have to prove it to us. That Texas is going to have to prove it to us. In a big way, so a lot of prove it games uh, this week. There are a lot of prove it games, and let's let's talk about some of those prove it games on the calendar with our guest. With such a huge slate of big games this weekend, we brought in one of our experts to talk about probably the biggest game of the weekend: Notre Dame and Ohio State. We welcome into the show Pete Sampson, Notre Dame writer for the Athletic. Pete, how are you, sir? Thank you for coming on the show. I'm great. It's uh, it's a heck of a week around here. I mean, this game is so big that it's it's knocked Deion Sanders in Colorado out of the top spot <laughs> for the talking points. So that's that's huge. Yeah, no doubt. It, it's it, uh, it, go it, ahead, it's September 18th, and you're already a third of the way through the season, man. Congratulations! I know. It's 
It's crazy. Like by the <laughs> Notre Dame will be halfway done with the schedule on October first. That's insane. I, it, wow. it, it's hard to get your head around like how quickly the season is going to go if you're if you're in the Notre Dame world. It's going to be it's going to be Thanksgiving weekend before you know it. You must have some sick vacations planned for these bye weeks coming up. <laughs> I've got a lot of like U10 soccer and middle school volleyball matches to attend. So uh, that's that's pretty much trauma that those bye weeks are looking for me right now. That's great. That that's sense. great. Well, let's let's get into this game. Uh, P, we'll start. We're, we're going to talk. We're going to talk. Prove it week. There's a lot of big games uh, and we'll talk a few of these others. But we're, we're going to start with Notre Dame and Ohio State. Notre Dame right now outscoring their opponents by 34.2 points per game. Uh, offense is fifth in yards per play, ninth in points per game. You got Sam Hartman's tie with Michael Penix, fourth in yards per temp. We got a lot of really good stuff we've seen from Notre Dame. What are you looking to see from the Fighting Irish this weekend? If they can protect Hartman, because when you just let him hang out there, uh, I mean, some of the balls he threw against Central Michigan where no pressure, receiver just runs by a, a hapless Mac level safety. Um, can that translate against Ohio State? I, I think Notre Dame's offensive line has been good on the ground, very suspect uh, in pass pro. And you just look at the numbers and think, well, how's that possible? They've only given up four sacks this year. But if you watch the games, um, there are definitely some holes in that line, uh, especially in the interior that, Concerned me a little bit. And then, you know, does Notre Dame get back to full health after they were down four starter or three starters and one of their top uh, defensive line reserves last week? I believe they'll look at three of those four guys back on Saturday at least. Um, and if that happens, the defense should be able to tighten things up from, you know, not a terrible performance against Central Michigan, but not nearly as crisp as what's going to be required on Saturday against Ohio State. When you say a terrible performance against Central Michigan, Pete, like what's that been like through four games here trying to get a sense of kind of what's real and then what is uh, Notre Dame doing things against, you know, pretty inferior opponents so far on the schedule? Yeah, it's like it's complicated by, you know, Navy. That's such a one off uh, yeah. opponent, you know, Tennessee State, FCS, like you're not taking anything away from there. And like I thought they actually played pretty well at NC State. You know, Brendan Armstrong is not great, but he's, you know, a legit power five quarterback. Um, they picked him off three times, put him under a bunch of pressure. I I think Notre Dame's defense has been better than what I expected when the season started, but there's a big difference between that and like good enough to put the shackles on Ohio State. And like, you know, to be fair, they they did a nice job against Ohio State last year defensively, but so much of that had to do with they were basically trying to run a four quarters offense uh, with Tyler Buckner at playing quarterback, trying to you know make that game as short and compressed as possible. They're not going to play that way on Saturday. So how does the defense hold up against a higher volume of plays? I think their secondary is really, really good. Um, it's a good time to have a great corners against Ohio state, but um, you know, do they stop the run? You know, Trayvon Henderson, you know, Ohio State's offensive line won that matchup last year. Um, I think somewhat decidedly, but the front seven has to play a lot better than what they did last year over four quarters, I think. If your dog wants to chime in, that, yeah, that, that's always. totally okay. Ro Roslyn has so many takes on us. <laughs> just, just throwing them all up four weeks yeah. in. Yeah. Um, Pete, what... When you, when you look at the way that Sam Hartman has played, um, obviously the just looking at the touchdown to turnover last night, 15 to one is pretty, 
pretty darn good start. Um, how would you kind of evaluate not just like kind of what you expected going into the season versus kind of what you've seen the reality so far, but then also just the way he's influenced this team so far? I mean, I, the influence part, I think, extends to the head coach. It extends to the defense. I mean, it's like you see Marcus Freeman get up in press conferences now, and it's not – he doesn't have to explain away what's going on in the offense. He's just like, man, that's really fun to watch. Um, it's almost like he gets to be a fan for a hot second there because just Notre Dame hasn't had a pass game like this in a long time. And, you know, to see the quarterback hitting receivers in stride for touchdowns, like – I mean, there were games last year that they couldn't complete a, a one-yard pass uh, with Drew Pine. And then you see what happened in some of the other games this weekend with Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine and Phil Dracovic. And you're like, how did Notre Dame ever win a game? Um, so Hartman, I just like the confidence that he exudes. I mean, you guys know him because he's been around forever. He just kind of has like this kind of dude mentality where you're just like, you look at him and you're like, that guy has it together. Um, and the, he plays that way. And I think Notre Dame's offense and really the program at large is benefiting from it. Yeah, I think you, you, you when you have somebody like that who's played at that level, and and gosh, I think you've seen it just how clean he's played so far. I think it really elevates a team. It's, talking about Notre Dame with playing Ohio State, they obviously played last season or early in September. How different is this team than the one the Notre Dame team that faced Ohio State a year ago? I mean. It's it's unrecognizable. I think you know the, the head coach was in his second game. Now mm-hmm. I think he's got 18 games in the bank. They've won nine of ten. Like at that point, Marcus Freeman. Not that he would come out and say that, but he'd be like, "Can I can I do this job? Like, <laughs> am, I, am I good enough to be the head coach at Notre Dame?" Like, and he came out of that game thinking like, "Yeah, probably," but we're not sure. Then they lose to Marshall the next week. Um, but it's the the quarterback just gives the whole program an uplift and. You know, now Ohio State actually has to defend Notre Dame opposed to just like, let's just put 12 guys in the box and see what happens. Um, You can't play Notre Dame that way anymore. Like Notre Dame could really beat you one way last year. Um, And that was good enough to win nine games and move Clemson all over the field. But against a team like Ohio State, you got to have multiple paths to victory. And now Notre Dame has that offensively. So that is a huge difference from where they were a year ago. Yeah, no, no question. I think that, um, and and I, I think that the timing of this one, you mentioned. I mean, that's just very early year one for Marcus Freeman a year ago. The timing of this one now, it's not just that Notre Dame has got four really nice performances under its belt, and you can argue they've been probably about as consistent as anybody in the games they've played so far. Um, but there's there's just we've seen just enough of Ohio State to maybe question them a little bit, and and, and just kind of wonder have they put it all together yet. What are some things that, um, whether it's Ohio State strengths or Notre Dame weak spots or vice versa, what are some things that you look at in this matchup that you feel like, actually, this kind of sets up nicely for Notre Dame? I mean, if you have the better quarterback and you're playing at home, those are two pretty big boxes to check. Um, Mm -hmm. Notre Dame was at just an epic quarterback disadvantage last year. So to have that off the table... You know, like all due respect to Bloomington, Indiana, but this is Kyle McCourt's first road start. Um, so that's part of it, too. Uh, I, you know, defensively in the secondary, I think Notre Dame was maybe better than what I would have thought a year ago. You know, Ben Morrison was a freshman All-American, but he was thrown mm-hmm. onto the field against Ohio State and played pretty well. Now we know he's good. 
their other starting corners, Cam Hart, who's 6'3", was a Bruce Feldman freaks list guy. He had a bad hamstring in last year's game, played through it, but wasn't himself. Now he's fully healthy. So I think having those two things in play where you're better at quarterback and you know you have good corners. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to lock up Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Buka, but you went into the game last year just sort of holding on for dear life against the pass. Now I feel like Notre Dame feels like that's that's a strength of the team. So those are those are two big changes from where Notre Dame was a year ago. Yeah, when you talk about earlier, Marcus Freeman, that obviously you mentioned the early struggles last year, and 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 there was a, a large narrative around, like you said, what, whether he could do this job. And obviously, they recovered nicely to finish last season. They've started strong this season, and, and I feel like they've played fairly clean. When you look at this rematch, what does this game mean for Marcus Freeman and the vibe at Notre Dame in year two? Well, I mean it. It means a ton for him on a personal level for the obvious reasons playing at Ohio State. Um, you know, so that's part of it. You know, beating Clemson last year, I think, sort of gave him a marquee win, even though, you know, Clemson and Ohio State are not quite in the same group as maybe they were two, three, four years ago. Um, so I, th- I think the question of, like, can he do it or not has been answered. Um, there's... I think quite a bit of optimism. Like there were two things that Marcus Freeman brought that I think the fan base wanted to see or wanted to believe. It was like one, they could recruit better. For the most part, I think that's happened. Um, you know, maybe not at the levels that was expected. And then like, could you get up for big games in a way that Brian Kelly just never seemed to quite grasp that? Um, you know, I think the fan base felt like, all right, you beat every team that you should, but mm-hmm. when it comes to Alabama or Georgia, you just can't quite get over that hump and they did beat Clemson twice or Clemson once with him. But, um, you know, sort of like hitting that, that peak at a big game is something that I think Freeman has a, has a chance to be very, very good at. Um, so I think on Saturday night that would, this is going to be a big test of like, can you get Notre Dame to play above its talent level? Cause um, if you just look at the roster side by side, you know, Ohio state would be a clear favorite. Pete, how long have you been on the beat now? Uh, this is my 23rd year. So it's 23rd year. That's incredible. Uh, Bob Davies last year was my first year. That was, it was a wow. long, long time ago. Thank you. Yeah. 2001. 2001. Yes. That, <laughs> that's, I, I, I was a young child watching yes. them play Nebraska around them. Was I? Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's an angle for a story this week on the Athletica about how you keep the red out of Notre Dame stadium, because uh, yeah. remember that Nebraska game from 2000, which was so long ago is even before I was covering them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's stuck with a pretty big section of the Notre Dame fan base. <laughs> so I was going to ask you um, in, in your, in your wealth of experience, this is the, in your opinion, Stakes and everything attached to it. Biggest home game for Notre Dame since when? 2005 USC. It, it's not going to be bigger than wow. that because that is wow. that is still like the ultimate. People scene still talk about that one. That I yeah, that that's like oh, it's time for a 30 year oral history on that. Now it's time for a 40 year oral. <laughs> it's history like every on five that. years you got to redo your oral history yeah. on that. Um, yeah, that's right. You know the the Clemson wins. Were There's big. so many different ways to say he pushed them. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you right. Redo those um, oral histories. Yeah. <laughs> like those Clemson wins 2020 or and last year were big, but like you know Notre Dame wasn't that good last year, so it's like the stakes for Notre Dame weren't as big. Um, you know the the Georgia game was 
looks bigger in retrospect in 2017, but Georgia was seven and five the year before Norman was four and eight. Like, is that really that big of a game? Um, Stanford in 2012 was big, uh, but it's, it's Stanford, not Ohio State. Like, I think that the animosity for the opponent is different. Um, it's like at a Michigan level. Uh, and like Ohio State is where Notre Dame wants to go. Like that's they're sort of one of the models that Notre Dame's trying to follow here. So it's kind of like you know to be the best, beat the best cliche. And mm-hmm. um, you know Ohio State, that's that's a program that Notre Dame's fan base has like a a very quiet animosity for. Um, so this to be able to win on Saturday and you know sort of claim the Midwest for a week. Uh, I think would be very, very significant, not just for Freeman, but for the fan base. Where, where, what's the source of that disdain, would you say, if you're, if you're putting on your psychologist hat? You know, I think there there's a little bit of the Urban Meyer dynamic there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he wanted to coach there, not at Notre Dame. Um, I think Ohio State's fan base is quite loud. Um, and if you're in the Midwest, they're kind of hard to miss. Uh, that's part of it. <laughs> you know, the recruiting battles, like Notre Dame doesn't win enough of those. You know, if it's Ohio State head-to-head, like they won for uh, Kingston Villamasa, this four-star linebacker from California this summer. Like that was huge. Um, you know, and then like, you know, the Marcus Freeman dynamic is a little like, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. Like, but let's say Notre Dame wins. How is the Ohio State fan game going to feel about Ryan Day? Who would they want after Ryan Day? Oh, okay. Well, maybe not. Um, that's like, there's just a lot to it with Ohio mm-hmm. State. Um, and I think that it's, Notre Dame hasn't beat them since 1936. Um, they've lost five straights. They're the longest losing streak against any team in the country right now. Um, there's just a lot there with it when it gets to Ohio State. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Pete, before we move on, one thing that you kind of brought up that, that I want to touch on, a little bit bigger picture for this program is you mentioned, can they beat the teams above their talent level? And we know when Brian Kelly left, the, 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 the ceiling that he hit was could get to the playoff, couldn't win a national championship. And I'm curious, just from your perspective, being on this beat so long, what how achievable is breaking that ceiling and, and what... I guess how big of a, a albatross is that that hangs over this program's neck? It's big. Um, I mean, it's hard as hell to like be Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State with being a small Catholic school in the Midwest with high admission standards. Like that's that's sort of the um, you know not to make a pun of it. Like that's the cross they're in bears, uh, and they're they're willing to bear it. Um, they want to be different, even if it makes it harder to get where they ultimately want to go. So it's, I, I don't know. I mean, Notre Dame, the fan base is, is peculiar to that way where they really, really want to win, but I almost like more than they want to win. They want to win their own way. Um, they don't want to do it like Alabama does it or Georgia does it or Ohio state judge it does it. And like, that's no judgment on that. Um, but Notre Dame wants to sort of do it, by its own rules um, and how they navigate that is like, that's why covering Notre Dame is so fascinating and probably why I'm still on this beat is just like what other school in the country wants to win, like wants to be an SEC school on Saturday, but an Ivy league school Sunday through Friday. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a really weird dynamic. Um, it creates a lot of sort of internal tension about like how committed you are to football and Notre Dame pushes back about that. And so, yeah, it's just, to get a, a game like Ohio State would be part of the like, 
hey, we did it our way vibe for the fan base. And I, the value of that, I think, would just be would be massive for the program. Pete, before we move on to the the games ahead here, I do want to. I haven't had a chance to ask you. Can you give us your review of Ireland? Of Ireland, um, <laughs> it was great. Uh, the Guinness was excellent. Uh, I went to the Guinness storehouse, learned how to pour a proper one, and then Ooh. after that, they put it in this like three D printer. Where if you look at my Twitter mm-hmm. uh, avatar, it's like my face on the top of the foam of the Guinness, which sort of blew my mind. Um, how? I don't <laughs> wow, know how wild. you do that. Uh, it, like, I'm sure it will be different for like Florida State, Georgia Tech next year when they play in Ireland, but Dublin really turned out for Notre Dame Navy. It felt like a big event. Um, it sort of felt like a bowl game where everyone was maximally invested in it. Um, mm-hmm. And the, the city is a, it's a great sports town. Um if you have reason to go cover, watch the team you follow play in Dublin, you should 100% do it. And when you say proper pour, are we talking about uh, angle, temperature? What, what's the what's the <laughs> Ang- angle and speed? Um, speed. Okay. So I got you know Guinness was nice enough to give me like the official Guinness pint glass with my name on it, and so you flip Ooh. it over at a 45 degree angle, pour it, hit the harp uh, until you get about like. 85% full, then you stop it, let it settle. Then you top it off by pushing the uh, the pour the opposite way, and then you let it settle again. So it's it takes time. Um, I know why I've had so many bad Guinnesses in the States yeah. because oh, wow. it you, you just can't rush it. I was going to say, this is, has this kind of ruined you for local Guinnesses now? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's like, just like I, the, I the, their process is all wrong. I was covering Notre Dame NC State, and I saw the waitress just open the can and then turn it straight upside down and put it in the pint yes. glass. I'm like, I, I'm not drinking that. <laughs> no, no. You just poured it no, in the no, trash no. right in front of her. Yeah, you said, this like, is not what are, it. What are we doing? <laughs> like, I, I've never been to Dublin, but even I know not to do that. Yeah, I mean, that was, come on yeah, like that, for, It's from a can? I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> you need to just, when you see Guinness on tap somewhere, you just say, hey, let me just get behind the counter here. Let me just do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah I do it. Let me save you the time. Well, let's let's move on to a few other games. There's this is a big weekend with a lot of huge ones, and the one team that everyone has talked about all this season, all off season, and continue to talk about is Colorado. Uh, Deion Sanders and his team is three and after a really thrilling game late Saturday night, double overtime over Colorado State. They're playing Oregon. Uh, this is their first conference game, and uh, this is a big boy game for Colorado. So. Uh, we've all had our Dion experience, our Colorado experience so far. Pete, I'm curious from your perspective as someone who sits in the middle of the country, what's been your perspective on this Colorado team? Uh, yeah, give them some bulletin board material, Pete. Come on. That's now. right. I, I yeah. Mean, they're they're must watch television in a way that like, I, I think you look, we all looked at our metrics at the athletic and we're just like, God, like the appetite for Colorado content was off the charts. Like, I feel like there was almost like a pushback before they got started playing about like enough with Colorado. Mm -hmm. But man, like you watch them play. That is just a fun team to watch. Um, The product is great. Um, You know, I know that's part of it, but Travis Hunter and Shadur Sant, like that's just a really fun team to watch. So I, maybe it's because one of my neighbors are, is a Colorado graduate and they actually flew out to Boulder to watch the Nebraska game from South Bend um, and just said it was like 
a religious experience, but uh, I'm I'm all in on Colorado. I think they're probably going to get drilled this week, but they're a, they are a great story <laughs> and completely have warranted all the coverage that we've given them at the Athletic. Man, what if they just go beat USC next week and just totally take the air out of out of uh, <laughs> Notre Dame USC this year, game you know? three weeks yeah. from now? Yeah, <laughs> then it's like, man, if, if Colorado can beat USC, like pressure's on Notre Dame. You better Notre Dame to the moon. Together. Yeah, then that's yeah, I, Sam. I think that game is going to be. I don't know. At, going into Nebra- going into TCU, we all just thought TCU's going to run them off mm-hmm. the field, you know, and. I think Oregon, I mean, there's certainly enough to break down if you're Dan Lanning and his staff that you probably are going to feel really good on Saturday morning going in, feeling like we've got we've got the right players and the right plan to to whip them. And I, I don't I mean, do you guys think anyone's going to show Colorado any mercy like once we get into these big games? No, I kind of don't no, think so. Not at all. Not at all. This is a game where the, not that these coaches the hate Dion. I don't think that's the case, yeah. but I think just the. It's what you're. It's what you're saying, Pete. Like the outsized attention on them, I think, makes people a little uh, a little jealous, maybe. Yeah, and it's like if you're Washington State or Oregon State, and like Colorado's is the school that you could argue maybe was the tipping point for the conference imploding. Like I, I would like to put that on them a little bit. I mean, it's not like Big Twelve against Texas and Oklahoma this season, but it's not dissimilar. Yeah, I think the interesting thing the interesting thing is going to be that Dan Landing in Oregon has the advantage that TCU didn't. We all thought that TCU was going to beat them up on the line of scrimmage, and I think do think we still have some questions about Colorado on on that front, especially with with how Colorado State played them. But now they've got three games of tape to look at, mm-hmm. which TCU had none, and and so we know Oregon's they've given the, up a lot athletes. of pressures. Like those guys yeah. are going to get on Shadur for sure. Yeah, and, and Oregon Oregon's got the kind of athletes that that is going to make this a lot tougher on Colorado. So it, it that that part's going to be fascinating to see to me. And, and I'm curious, e- even if even if Colorado loses, how close is it? Is it something that they get handled? Is it something that comes down to a wire? Can Shador keep them in it long enough? That that that's the thing I'm kind of curious to watch here. But um but the Pete, Ducks would you good. say Notre Dame fans are extremely interested in Florida State at Clemson? Uh not after the Duke game. Um I think after oh, yeah. Florida State put it on LSU, then yeah, that that was something that Notre Dame game, Notre Dame fans were probably more interested in Brian Kelly at that point. But uh, I do think like there's been a recalibration of Clemson among Notre Dame fans. I think when the season started, you're like, all right, well that's that's probably the toughest game out there because it's on the road in November. And then you watch the way Clemson started, you're like, eh, maybe not. But also, you have to go to Duke the week after Ohio State. Is that like a bit of a letdown spot for Notre Dame? So. Yeah, I, I, I'm interested in that game, but I, I think that Notre Dame fans have kind of rethought how good Clemson is, like as I think we all have, right? Like the Duke game happened. We all watched it. Um, it's, it seems you know, like a program. At the same time, Clemson doesn't have a number next to their name anymore, but I feel like this is still going to be a crazy game. You know what I mean? Like I just don't. Oh, yeah. I, I don't. I, mean, I, I, I would be very impressed and surprised if Florida State um, really blew them out, I think. I would too, because it's like Boston College is is bad, capital B, um, and to go up yeah. there and just sort of mess around um, against a team that struggled to beat Holy Cross, like that's not that that makes me think that Florida State maybe isn't the mature uh, playoff participant that they looked like they were in the second half of LSU. So yeah. you know, when it comes to prove it for Florida State, it's not. 
like beating Clemson is would prove something, but I think that you got to go out and, and look like you can put together a mature performance against Clemson. So it's, I think it's like almost how you beat Clemson will matter on top of just the fact that you beat them. Yeah. And then if, if Clemson falls again, then we're in, we're in really uh, uncharted territory here for Dabo Swinney. Are we not? <laughs> this early in the year? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, people it's, are, it's going to, people are going to be displeased. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be mean, a that, panic. Not to skip ahead to the last prove it game, but like uh, Alabama and the displeasure there from that fan base in uncharted territory. Like, if you get the quarterback wrong, um, you got a problem. And Clemson, we'll see if they get the quarterback right eventually. But I think at this point, as Ari Wasserman penned on the athletic, we know that Alabama has a huge quarterback problem, and that is not a good place to be going against Lane Kiffin. <laughs> it is not. Let's uh that's a beautiful transition. Let's go to that last one. Alabama will miss. Uh what Pete, I'm sure you have a interesting perspective on all this, given the <laughs> given the Notre Dame connections on the Alabama roster. There's uh a there there's a few there. So what 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 have you what have you thought of what you saw, especially unfold Saturday against South Florida? I uh I was surprised how bad it was. Um, and look, I've, I've covered a Notre Dame game against South Florida that had a weather delay and quarterback uncertainty that was ended in a total disaster. Uh, Tommy Reese, in fact, played in that game. So it, um, I, am, I am still shocked, and I was when it happened. I still am today even more so that Tommy Reese hitched sort of his first year to Tyler Buckner in any way, shape, or form. Um, Buckner just, he didn't deliver when he was at Notre Dame. He had been injured a lot, has not played much football, um, negative TD, INT ratio. The fact that he was going to be the guy to replace Bryce Young never made sense to me. Um, but the fact that Reese felt like he could be said a ton about Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson and the two freshman quarterbacks they have down there. So I'm, I'm shocked it's as bad as it is. Um, but all the skepticism about Alabama's offense, like when you have the quarterback wrong, you don't have a functional offense. And right now, Alabama's got the quarterback wrong. I mean, yeah, you would think that in the in the certainly the the long history of the Saban era, it's always been pretty plug and play with the coordinators, yeah. right? It's always been doesn't matter who's coaching, we've got better players than everybody. And I'm not saying Tommy Roos is a bad hire. It's certainly way too early to say that, um, but. Asking him to kind of make, um, you know, asking him to make something brilliant out of what he's what he's got there. Um, it seems like that is extremely work in progress here. Uh, a couple of weeks in, the funny thing is they're playing an Ole Miss team that has too many quarterbacks. Like they just don't even need as many quarterbacks as they have. And Alabama is uh, currently going into this game. It's, I mean, based on the way Nick Saban talked on Saturday night, is it literally just going to be like we'll see who practices good this week? Like that's. That's what this has come to. Yeah, and if it doesn't work out, mate, can we just take Spencer Sanders at halftime? That's right. See how that goes. <laughs> can we go AAU tournament? Can, yeah. can we get get borrow a player for the weekend? Because you know we we're short. We we don't have enough guys. So let's let's get him come over our side for a little bit. Yeah, it's gonna be because it's like I Notre Dame fans are hypercritical of Reese um, and have been for a while. I always felt like he was a good offensive coordinator or a good offensive coordinator who was growing into like a good sort of developer of quarterbacks like that Notre Dame's quarterback recruiting is, was pretty spotty under him um, as it was under Brian Kelly. But 
I think going out of Alabama, you got those receivers. Like, he knows how to work a strong offensive line. They always had one at Notre Dame. They've got good backs. I just don't get it. Um, I don't I don't understand yeah. what's happening down there right now that it looks as bad as it looks. Um, but, yeah, you're going into the fourth game of the season thinking it's going to be an open tryout. Like, that's bad place to be going to the SEC, man. That's a really bad place to be. And yet I still feel like Ole Miss has to do everything right to win this game, probably. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think mm-hmm. if it's a – and that was the knock on Jackson Dart a year ago, and that's why that's why they brought in Spencer Sanders and Walker Howard and Austin Simmons is they, uh, you know, they think they felt like Jackson Dart did not do a good enough job taking care of the football. And if he doesn't in this game, then Alabama, no matter what they've got going on, will find a way to scrap out a win. So I'm, I'm very intrigued to see, like, can Ole Miss put its best foot forward – and and how about Lane Kiffin putting his um hit a foot forward on Sunday with the Alabama has already demoted their defensive coordinator <laughs> conspiracy claim, which I swear to God, I've never Pete, you've been doing this a long time. I have never heard a coach just come out and say that in a press conference. Yeah, it's like if a coordinator was gonna take heat at Alabama, it wasn't gonna be Reese this week, but no, he just went the other way. Um <laughs> it's just un, it's just unsettling the entire locker room there. Uh it's in classic Lane Kiffin fashion. Like I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of a coach come out and be like, Yeah, they demoted somebody, you all just don't know about it. Like mm-hmm. that's uh Nick Saban's just man, just having a good time down there this season. Lane is one hundred percent the guy that goes and lights a bag of dog poo at the front door and then takes off running right yeah, he was that kid yeah <laughs> thinks it's hilarious yeah i feel like he's some he's somewhat living like his buddy sark beat sabin and so he's kind of living vicariously through that a tiny yeah. bit here of like <laughs> sark did it i could do it yeah I, I mean how long it was like oh the mentors never beat the master and like now that it's mm-hmm. happening it's like oh well, everybody got everybody hop in the pool now like yes, Saban's right. going down <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Everybody take their licks as if Nick Saban yeah. is a pinata. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Pete, thanks for joining us. Uh, great weekend ahead. Uh, oh, yeah. Enjoy the, the atmosphere for Notre Dame, Ohio State. We're looking forward to it. Appreciate you joining the show today. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Well, thanks so much to Pete for joining us. It's uh, such a huge weekend, and, and we didn't even touch on all the games, Max, that we have. It's a big weekend. This schedule is amazing. Like I, I, You can't leave out. We got number 22, UCLA. Going to number eleven, Utah. You've got Iowa, Penn State, and just I mean, how many points can Iowa score this week? That's, <laughs> the nation needs to know. Going go to Happy Valley, and we've also got the um, we have to come up with a good name for this game. But we've got Oregon State, Washington State, and they're both ranked, and they are both super pissed off, and uh, mm-hmm. not at each other, uh, but at the world. I can't mm-hmm. wait to see that game. Yeah, no, that's gonna be good. Uh, with some DJU and some Cam Ward, that'll be uh, that'll be a lot of fun. But uh, let's talk about what we some other things we may see in Week Four. Uh, Max, we're gonna do our pick six. Uh, we we did this in Week One. We'll do a pick six this time. Uh, week One, we did some lead pipe locks that I'm not really uh, don't think. Let's not go back to those. Really I, I don't. Uh, let's, I, don't know, I have no <laughs> idea if those did well. I'd rather move past it. Yeah, we 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 still got time. There's still time, right? There's yeah, uh, there's yeah. still there's still two thirds of the season left. Uh, but we'll, we'll get we'll get specific, oddly specific predictions for week four. And 
We're not we're not necessarily saying winners or losers, just things that specific things that we think we will see. So Max, why don't you start us off with your first oddly specific prediction for week four? Okay. I think that Oregon, either Dan Lanning or someone on his team, they will say something mo- mundane this week <laughs> that will be turned into motivation before Saturday. <laughs> now, I don't know what it will be. It probably will be completely insignificant. Mm-hmm. You know, Dan Lanning did did make the comments over the summer about like Colorado. What have they ever won when they were leaving the Pac-12? Mm-hmm. You know, we could we you could say that that made it personal, right? I'm sure that that Deion Sanders has seen that clip, but I think it's more likely that it, it will just be, you know, something like, um, you know, Dan Lanning saying that Shadur Sanders is really good, and actually, no, he's amazing. You you should have said amazing. You know, what I mean, I I don't know. Mm-hmm. It could be, it could be uh, some some throwaway comment about the atmosphere in, in Boulder and that Eugene is 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 also. I I don't know. I, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's going to be very small, very insignificant. But I mean, Deion Sanders, Deion Sanders brought his mother into the post game locker room and made the Jay Norvell <laughs> comment. All about his mother. Like, that's incredible. That's an incredible uh, with, move by Deion Sanders. So, like, he can take anything you give him, and he he can take any lemonade you give him and turn it into lemons. Like, that's an, that, that is a rare thing. Yeah, it, it is. And But, by the way, I, I'll start with this. I think he's – that landing comment from the summer – where when yeah. Colorado left that's way worse 12. than anything Matt Rule ever said about Colorado <laughs> right, like it's incredible right. yeah <laughs> like that that's all he needs but yeah I'm sure there will be something mm-hmm. that they can pick at uh but to that speech by the way I love that he has his mom on the microphone yes in the locker room in the rock is standing in the back like taking it all in like <laughs> this is uh things are a little bit uh this is very feeling very mid 2000s usc vibes in colorado mm-hmm. you got offset you got the rock you got all these big time people at the games now everybody's here to watch this show uh it's it, it's really fascinating to watch it because when when the usc was at its height I was watching it as a fan, but I wasn't. I was I was wrapping up. Uh, I was still an undergrad in college, and so I wasn't covering the sport, and so I didn't really get to soak it in as much as I do now. And this is really fascinating. Like I think, could you imagine? I'm going to go off on a tangent here. Could you imagine yep. USC mid mid 2000s USC in the NIL era? Oh my like, goodness. good lord! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, imagine if any of those players were making money. Oh my gosh! <laughs> can't even uh, can't even conceive of that. Yeah. Please, please give Reggie Bush's Heisman back. Uh, yeah, give it back. Give it back. But yeah, I'm telling so, you, Bo so, Nix is just going to say, he's going to accidentally say like Colorado's defense is fine or something like that. <laughs> and then they're going to be like, what did you say about our defense? We have like, the best yeah, defense in the country. What are you talking that's right. about? <laughs> yeah. I, there's it, some things I, I would just be, you, you are on thin ice ducks. You are on very thin ice here. Anything you say will be used against you. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the Colorado I, buffs. They have the right to remain silent. That's they do. Sure. They uh, they should <laughs> and they should take that right. Yes. All right. What do you got? Yeah. All oddly right. Winner lose. Prediction. Oddly, my first oddly specific prediction for the week. I think win or lose, Texas A and M quarterback Connor Wegman is going to open a few eyes this weekend. Mm. Uh, I'll start with this. I do think A and M is going to beat Auburn. Uh, the, the, this is a, this is a kind of a huge game and a huge time for A and M. Uh, they lost, of course, their only Power Five game this year against Miami. 
creating a little consternation in Aggieland. Uh, mm-hmm. Jimbo Fisher, 8-11 and 11 against Power 5 teams dating back to the start of the 2021 season. Of course, 2020 was the best year, but they, they haven't done great since then. And so they really need to win some. But for all the flaws of this team and for all the things we've seen, one thing that has remained constant in my mind so far is Connor Wigman's really damn good. And I, I don't know that we, because there's so much talk at AM about Jimbo and the mm-hmm. offense and the defense and DJ Durkin's struggling defense. So I don't think we've talked a lot much about Connor Wegman, but I think he's quietly developing into one of the best quarterbacks or one of the better quarterbacks in the country. Uh, certainly one of the better young quarterbacks in the country. And even in that Miami game where they, they, they struggled and, and they were sending some heat at him. I, I really was impressed with his toughness and the way he kind of just his competitiveness, like the guy keeps coming. And yeah. so I think regardless of what happens in that game this weekend, I think he's going to it's, it's 11 a.m. kick. So it's an early one. But I think he's I think people are going to start to to understand what what it, Connor Wegman is. And if A&M if A&M doesn't take advantage of having this guy at quarterback, they're going to really regret it because he's really damn good. He's the best quarterback they've had, I think, on this campus since Johnny Manziel. I don't think there's any question. I don't think that's crazy to say. Are the whiteouts going to be fine this week? Uh, I think we'll have to see with Evan Stewart. I think Jimbo said Evan Stewart's going to be fine. Uh, and then the, the other guys were uh, Noah Thomas. I think he he left, went to the locker room early. We'll have to monitor that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they've got a ton of receivers. they got an Aya Smith. Jade Walker, the transfer from Jackson Jade Walker State. Pop. Not Jackson yeah, State. Not uh, yeah. I can't remember. Where, where's Jade Walker from? I can't remember. But, uh, D2. Grand Valley. Uh, was it Grand Valley State. Yeah, yeah. I'm confusing I'm confusing Jade with the linebacker they took from Jackson State. But Jade Walker had a breakout game. They got Anaya Smith. You got Moose Muhammad. So uh, if Evan Stewart's back, certainly you like to have Noah Thomas back. But I think they're. I think I think they'll be fine in that regard. They got to protect. Yeah. They they certainly got to protect. Got to protect Wegman. But I think I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna open some eyes against Auburn. It's a great pick. All right, my my third, my second, oddly specific prediction. Dude, we got SMUTC this week. I, I hope people are not sleeping on that. I, I am, iron skillet. I'm, I'm going to tee you up. I know you want to rant on this. That game, <laughs> my my prediction is going to be it. It, it, it that game is going to be extremely chippy. I'm just calling it now. It's going to be extremely chippy. Ever since um, SMU got into the ACC on their own dime, that <laughs> game is. We're, there's going to be some pregame or postgame, um, kerfluffle or whatever term. I'm not going to say brawl. I'm not going to go all out brawl. But could we have another flag planting scene like we did in the final year of of Sonny versus Gary Patterson? I think we could. Someone, I, I think is that's someone possible. going is is someone going to throw a helmet at one of the coaches like Gary Patterson alleged? Yeah, even though no video surfaced <laughs> oh. any of this. We we ain't got enough time for that one. But um, <laughs> yeah, so hopefully Jerry Kill st- stays far far away from this game. Um, I I just think there is a very and you could probably explain to the listener a little better. There is a very like deep like we run Dallas kind of fight here. Do you remember mm. the SMU folks saying um, that this this puts us when they join the ACC? This puts us in a top three power conference. Like there's there's just all these yes. little, this, Rhett Lashley a lot of that said little that. little needling and poking and things like that. Um, and and obviously like the the SMU. I mean like Sonny Dykes and Rhett Lashley definitely do not hate each other or anything like that. No, but, they're good buddies. Um, no, they're good buddies, but. I, you know, I think there's a chance that these, these, you know, we get some extra personal fouls. We get a little pregame or postgame scuffling, something like that. I think that because Sam, 
are they going to stop playing this game? Are they going to stop playing Iron Skillet? I'm very concerned about that. <sighs> okay, that heavy sigh is me getting getting worked up. Go a little deeper. I, I, hit that sigh a little deeper. Okay. They this is I'm not going to stop and pretend like this is one of the most storied rivals in college football because it's not. It's it, it is it's not the game, it's not Red River, it's not the Iron Bowl, but it is petty. And mm. what do we love as much as anything about college football? We love petty. And these teams have met 100 this will be the 102nd meeting between the two. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, TCU decided they need to pause this series after 2025 when the contract runs out. They are only 35 miles apart. They've played since 1915. Uh, I think there have been some years where they haven't played because they've been in different conferences. But for the most part, this series has sustained. And Sonny Dykes cited the idea that they just have to when you transition to the 12-team playoff, that it changes the scheduling dynamic and uh, they don't want to play as many non-conference road games. He said last year at TCU, we won two non-conference road games. Uh, Last year with Nick Saban going to Austin, beating Texas, Saban won his second non-conference road game since he's been the head coach at Alabama. And so he's saying, basically, we need to schedule more home games. And I think Jeremiah Donati, the AD, cited need more for more revenue because Mm -hmm. that extra non-conference home game gets you more gate, which I understand. Mm -hmm. But... That's just a that's just weak sauce, man. It's just weak sauce. Okay, play your rivals, okay. And even rivals. though TCU, I think believes and feels itself to be above SMU, they don't need them, so we're not going to play them. And SMU puts a little bit more investment, I think, from a fan standpoint in this rivalry. It's still a rivalry, and rivalries are still what we love about college football. So there's no need to pause it, and it frustrates me that we're going to do that. I would hope that SMU going to a power conference maybe means it will bring it back, but who knows? I, I don't like us making decisions based on, well, this is going to make us more money. And even though I understand yeah. it, I fully yeah. understand it because this is, this is, these are high stakes we're talking about, but this is not how we, the sport became popular. The sport didn't become popular because everybody made a lot of money. The sport became popular because it's regional, it's local, and there's, there's pettiness and hatred. And it, that competition really matters in a big way. So, but I'll say this about this game: this game is going to be interesting because mm-hmm. I don't think we know fully know about TCU yet. They 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 lost to Colorado, of course. Everybody saw that. Uh, they were they have not really played a clean game since they won two in a row. They beat Houston uh, pretty handily in, in mm-hmm. Houston, but that's still not a super clean offensive performance. SMU had the one game against Oklahoma where they were in it late, but but couldn't end up pulling it out. And then they had kind of like Oklahoma, they've had two games against opponents that they're way better than. They've pretty much trucked, and that offense and that team, that roster is really good. Uh, Red Lashley's done a really good job with it. So they're in, they're in Fort Worth, but boy, I'm interested in this one. I think this is going to be a low key interesting game. Agreed. All right, what's your next oddly specific prediction? Uh, Texas Tech, West Virginia. This is this is kind of a little bit of an off the radar game this week, but yeah, it is. I think this this game's gonna be this one's game's gonna have some shenanigans. I, I don't know, and I can't really explain that because you have West Virginia, who's coming off a game they really needed, and you've got Texas Tech, who just got its first win, and they need a conference win because we spent a lot of time this offseason season building up buzz 
about Texas Tech, and then they came out and opened the season by losing two games. So mm-hmm. they lost to Wyoming, of course. They lost to Oregon, and and both those games were close and hard fought. Uh, they 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 beat a, an FCS team, Tarleton, on Saturday. But they need they need to start getting some positive mojo back. And ju- just to see if they're going to be a factor in the Big Twelve race, you're going to have to go win the game like this. West Virginia, on the other hand, we know we've talked at nauseum this offseason about Neil Brown and the hot seat and his status there. That game that they got against Pitt was much needed. That with a win in the backyard brawl. That, yes. That, they, yes. They needed that one in a big way. And so they are just putting to- out those couches now, at this point. This. <laughs> so so this game is going to I think you got two teams who really, really need a win mm-hmm. and they really want it. And it's it's West Texas and it's Morgantown, West Virginia. I just it's going to be something crazy. It's going to be something kooky in this game. I can feel it. There's going to be some shenanigans going on here. I like that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of good candidates for under-the-radar game this week just because of the the big stages that we've got with all these like ranked matchups and stuff like that. So good shout-out uh, on that one. Uh, last one for me, um, oddly specific prediction. I think it's Cam Ward time, Sam. I think, I think, yes. it, I think it's time. Um, I love it. Washington State would be one of those teams. I'm sure probably a lot of people have not watched very much, probably have some skepticism about other than the Wisconsin win. Um, You know, they're playing Oregon State and really like this Oregon State team. But I think that it's time to uh, to see Cameron Ward at his best and off to a great start this year. I think I think Washington State's going to put up some points on Oregon State. I think that that will be one of the better better showdowns of the weekend and uh i think uh i think i'm i'm excited for the world to see what Cameron Ward can do i think he's a very talented player very talented passer um certainly a little bit of a different dynamic last year when you've got Eric Morris who leaves for the, the North Texas job and they're kind of adjusting and and kind of building that thing up at the start of a tenure under Jake Dickert i think now he's kind of in the flow of things he seems really really confident here going into Pac-12 play and you know, I it, 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 this is going to be a sneaky, important showdown in terms of the Pac-12 race. I think you, there's lots of teams that you could kind of put in that second tier of the Pac-12, but they're all pre- pretty good. I think they're all legit top 25 good right now. And I think Cameron Ward's going to put up some some really big numbers on Oregon State. That's my oddly specific prediction. Yeah, he's uh, he's doing good. 72% completion, 990 yards, 9.3 yards per net, nine touchdowns, zero no picks. Interceptions. This is, by yeah. the way, a guy who played in a heavy run option style offense in high school. So yeah. this is a guy that that has come a long way from uh, from Texas high school football and is having having himself a. Really you know, good I'll pick career. I'll pick Washington State to win too. I'll just go at least specific prediction. Washington State uh, pulls off the upset there. There you go. There you go. There you go. Don't hold me to it. All right, I'm just you know. It's <laughs> All right, my last What's one. Your last one. Alabama, Ole Miss. We already seen Lane Kiffin starting to needle Nick Saban. We talked about it with Pete. Already starting to throw some gas on the fire with his comments about the defense coordinator situation. My only specific prediction is Lane's going to throw something in this game in frustration at some point. He's either going to throw his papers up his, or he's going to play sheet or he's going to throw his headset in frustration. And also, at some point, he's going to do the early touchdown sign. Mm-hmm. You know, where where, mm-hmm. where the play develops and he sees and before the ball is even thrown, he's already signaling a touchdown. We're going to see that on the sideline on Saturday. I, I am I am fired up for all the Lane Kiffin nonsense that we're going to see going up 
with Ole Miss going up against a vulnerable Alabama team. I, I, I just this whole week is this whole week's going to be fun. He's already started it, and I can't wait till we actually get to game day because he it's, it's just going to be so much fun to listen to him uh, and watch him do all his nonsense uh, in this game because he know he because he he's going to feel like this this Ole Miss team has a chance to win this game and, and mm-hmm. get Nick get his mentor or get his uh, his former head coach. So I think that based on the way Lane Kiffin has started off the week, we are going like spinal tap. Like he is turning the amp up to 11 <laughs> this week. I think, I think it's a good call by you. Um, it is going to be extreme reactions, good and bad on that, on, <laughs> during that game on the broadcast. It is going to be, um, they, they, it, that we've got so many good matchups. So, and and like the concern around Alabama will put a big spotlight on that game, but like that game's gonna be amazing. I cannot wait for oh, that yeah. game to kick off. Um, and I think Ole Miss, if they're healthy, they have the personnel. Um, and they've got let's not forget they've got Pete Golding running the defense now too. He knows a little thing <laughs> or two about, about Alabama. Um, there's a lot of <laughs> oh, I forgot there's a that. lot of connections in this game, man. It's gonna be um, that one's gonna be spicy. Pete Golding revenge tour. Is that what we're talking yes. here? <laughs> yes, absolutely. You think that guy has not been thinking about the Alabama game all off season? Let's go. Yeah. Oh man. That's, that's terrific. Oh my gosh. It's going to be a fun week. Uh, fun week four. lots of fun games on tap. Thank you, Max, for joining me. And You're thanks welcome. to all of you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're Play, welcome. Watch the rest of the movie. Watch the rest of the movie, Max. It's really good. Uh, I'll get it there at some point, yes. Uh, th- thanks to all of you for tuning in to Until Saturday with Max and Sam. Be sure you're following the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. So you'll not- be notified when new episodes are up. Uh, always appreciate a five-star rating and review. Hit the subscribe button on the YouTube page so you can join us every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday for our live streams. And subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter. Links are in the show description. Thanks again. We'll talk to you again real soon.